Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast is none other than my longtime best friend since we were five years old and drummer of the famous band Taking Back Sunday and drummer of Rebelmatic, new band coming out. I'm not, I, no, 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 no. I'm not the drummer of Rebelmatic. Not the drummer? What, what are you doing, Rebelmatic? I'm not the drummer. Give, give, give a quick background. Tell, tell the people about what Mark O'Connell does. I'm starting, I started a, a record label with Daniel Wallace. This, see that? Red Right Records. Red Right Records. Red Right re Recordings. Red Right Recordings. And Rebelmatic is then that we produced. And uh, the album was supposed to come out on May 8th, but it, um, it's not going to happen now because of COVID. 19 you know so we're gonna have to figure that out but it is coming out and, I, and i'm pretty pumped about it that's awesome yeah you know we start we, we've been talking for like 20 minutes before this <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. we went over a whole lot of subjects like uh miss levin trousser in, in kindergarten when we met and yeah. we hung out for the first time oh so i didn't really finish that story about us hanging out in in kindergarten and going over your house and um i still remember it that's awesome yeah i don't know you were just you were exactly like you are now except you were really big glasses and i don't know you dress a little <laughs> a little differently but like you still have that like you you know i was sold immediately i was like okay you're like <laughs> hey you want to play <laughs> Okay, yeah, you know we're friends now, and then <laughs> never stopped having. I like that. I, I was actually telling uh, when you first said that. I said uh, one of my first memories was Sean Cooper bullying me <laughs> in yeah. kindergarten, and uh, how we got to get him back for that one day. Him, him and John Wiesenberg, they bullied me, but I, I was lying, and they called me on a lie. I deserved it. It was tough love. At the end of the day, listen, I, I remember you telling uh, people that you were a ninja, and I also remember you telling people that run dmc was your uncle's or Dude, cousins uncle run look he just texted he just, he just texted me <laughs> it's true yeah. it's true dude come on i didn't believe you my whole life dude yeah. i remember that's another thing i remember it's so weird what you can remember from like elementary school but i remember talking to your brother like we're outside of lennox talking to your brother and i was like hey run dmc like the whole the whole group <laughs> Is your cousin? And your brother was like, no. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? How can I happen next to they work? Now, it's funny, though, because uh, actually, one of the things that drives me crazy, like I have a few pet peeves. Like, uh, one of them is people that don't wait for other people to get off the plane. Don't walk in front of the people in the row behind you, in front of you. Yeah. Dude, dude that literally is one of my biggest pet peeves. And these are grown-ups. Yeah, it's rude. It's fucking rude. It's, it's rude. You're, it's slowing everything down. Because you know what? 
The world doesn't revolve around you. <laughs> Wait your goddamn turn. Let people go. It's like getting off an elevator. That's my other one. Get off an elevator. My other one. And subways. And so, dude, it's like, yo, let me get off. I get off. People even do that in my building now. Not a lot, not most, but like, there's a couple older women, maybe in their, you know, late forties, fifties. That not older anymore, bro. We're almost there. Yeah, I do. But. Yeah, they, and you know, we're living in a corona COVID 19 society, and I had to, and I wasn't getting out of the elevator because she was just standing right there. And she was like, I, you know, with her mask on, she had everything. She's like, Are you going to get out? She's blocking the door. And I just went, <laughs> <laughs> and she, she moved. Good, but I was gonna say so. Like one of one of the my other pet peeve besides those two. That's funny that those are yours. Was is people that chew with their mouth open? Mm -hmm. Because I remember when you came over my house. I mean, it must have been. I don't. It's we were so young. We were like on my back porch when we would come over and use the pool, and you just looked at me and you were like, "Could you chew with your mouth closed?" And I was like so embarrassed that I never forgot it. So like for the rest of my life, I'm like. Mark would be so mad right now. That guy's chewing with his mouth open. I always remember it. So you and Sean taught me lessons. Don't lie and don't chew with your mouth open when I was very young. So thank you. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you say that and I immediately have uh, remembering my mom going, Stop chewing with your mouth open! She doesn't sound like that. Stop it, Mark. <laughs> You know, my mom, I've made a joke before where I've uh, been like, my mom could be in a, a, a cover band of Guns N' Roses. She could be Axel. You're gonna die! <laughs> she, she could hit those notes, man. I tell you, people think I'm nuts, but that would be the coolest cover band of Guns N' Roses ever. <laughs> Are they gonna be able to hear that? Because you know, you know when you get it gets too loud and it kind of just goes out. Dude, we got Podblade doing some production on this. They will make sure that that comes through. Maybe right, cool. if you want to have them put some like background music to it. Dun, 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 dun. Yo, if you do the intro, if you, if you do an intro, make sure you get that. Be like, you know, Mark, you know, best friends, and you know, yada yada, and then. We go as far back and says you should show that picture of me sitting on your lap or you sitting on my lap. I was sitting on your lap. <laughs> I, love, I actually love that picture though. Huh? I do. That is an amazing picture. That's a great picture. I'm very fat and very red in the picture. Yo, are you red? I didn't even think about that. I'm red. Well, you, you leaned out. You actually, uh, your face looks very skinny right now. You've been, uh, I know you've been eating better. I've been eating better, and I've also been walking every day, you know, with corona, you know, just get out and walk. So it's helping. But thank you. Again, thank you. <laughs> you are welcome. Um, so I want to go over a bunch of stuff with you, Mark O'Connell. Um, mm -hmm. One of the first ones I want to talk about is I like to talk to um, people that are just successful in different stuff. And uh, I, uh -huh. I've had a few conversations with you about it, but... I find that like most people have to, uh, on some level, like guys that are doing things 
have some level of obsession or um, like we're all a little bit crazy on, on some level. And I usually ask people like, have they always had that kind of go for it or, or, or like that persistence or that obsessiveness for like going after what you want. And I don't have to ask that because you've literally been like that since the day that I met you. Like we actually had a term for when you just wear somebody down, it's, it's marking them because yep. Mark wanted something. And I remember like, it was the way that you would get jobs and you would get into bands. And I used to yell at my brother because he would do the opposite and be like, well, if they if they want me, they'll call. And I'll be like, no, no, Mark like showed up at their house, wrote them letters, like rang their, like all those things. And like that's, but at the end of the day, that, that's, I feel like what it takes. And you um, you said something that I thought was very interesting. We were having a conversation about something. I forget exactly what it was, but you were like, it doesn't matter. You were like, even if you owe somebody $2, you get your ass out there and you get them that damn $2 because that's what you said you were going to do. And yeah. definitely do that. And I feel like when you guys were first starting to get really big and successful, there was people that were very happy for you, but there's also going to be people that are jealous because they feel like, Oh, that's, that's, that's not cool. Like he's why him and not me. And you know, you get a little bit of like that hair stuff in there, but I feel like people aren't willing to put themselves out there and go after those things. And no. Like you almost get like blind tunnel vision of like, you literally don't care what else is going on, what anybody else is thinking like to a right. Comic Con and you just like, I'm going to make this happen. And I've always said to people, like, if there's ever a behind the music, one of the stories I remember is when you guys, um, when Taking Back Sunday first started coming out and you guys had your, your old demo tape with Antonio and you were like, this is my band. And like, I've always loved all your other bands, like the Posers and all the other bands you did have always been like really good. So you guys always wrote good songs, but I didn't really like that at first. And I was like, ah, I'll come to your show, but I don't, I don't really like this, which I mean, I would never do that now, but that was the dick thing to do. But I was like, you know, I'm not, no. a and you were like, you know what? Like when we're famous and I'm on David Letterman and you want to come hang out with like groupies and meet all these girls. I'm not going to let you because you didn't like my band. And I was like, all right, when you're famous, that'll happen. And, um, Did I say that? Yeah. and then like fast forward, you act literally took me on David Letterman and we got like stuck in that elevator with Renee Zellweger. And, uh, but I remember when your band switched and you sent me, um, tell all your friends and I listened to it and I was like, this doesn't even sound like the same band that I called you up. And I was like, I actually love this. This is really good. And you were like, and it, it was really nice because I was prepared to say, I like your band no matter what at that point. I was like, I'm going to support even if I don't like them. But it was so nice being like, this is awesome. This is really, really good music. And uh, and then you guys started kicking butt and stuff like that. But my, my point is, I remember we were hanging out in my mom's backyard. We must have been like 15 or something. And you, I, t I literally tell this story when I teach real estate classes. You were like, guys, I figured out what I'm going to do when I grow up. And we were like, what? And you were like, I'm going to be a famous rock star. And we were like, okay. And we were like, yeah, he's going to be a quarterback for the New York Giants. He's going to be a cowboy. Like, I'm going to, and everybody, and so you, you like looked around at everybody that were laughing. And uh, I remember, I think Terry Carroll was there and he's like, yeah, I'm going to be a movie star. He's like, and not one of those coffee guys. I'm going to be an overnight success, like Seinfeld or something like that. And we were all like, okay. And you literally just had this straight, like you weren't laughing at all. And you looked around and you go, what else am I going to do? You go, I deliver pizza and I play drums. Like I'm not going to go work in a post office. I'm going to be a drummer because that's the only option I have. 
and you made it happen. And you became this like famous drummer and played all around the world and literally like live on the beach and live this great life. But there wasn't a doubt in your mind that day that that's what was going to happen because there was, there just wasn't another option in your mind. And I feel no. like being older now and being in business and being around people that have been very successful and people that have tried it and not been, that's what it takes. Like no matter what it is, if you want to be an actor, a movie star, a real estate guy, an author, whatever it is, like that's what it takes. And you have that. And you've always had that. So um, I don't know. Just talk a little bit about about that, because, you know, at times it definitely can get you in trouble. But I feel like it's 100 percent what made you successful. 100 percent. Yeah, I mean, you you just said it all like it, it, it was it, it was no it wasn't, a, you know, it had to happen. It had to like I, I, that's the only way I would have felt. You just pause a second. You're still there. Yeah, yeah. You hear me? No, you, yeah. You said so. That's the only way you would have felt. What? That's the only thing that I would have. That's the only way that I would have felt happy going into adulthood is doing the drumming, uh, playing playing drums, and um, making all that. Like, you know, like, but it all comes down to is it. You said in the very beginning when you started talking about this, is putting yourself out there. You got to do it. You got to do what you want to do. And but if it doesn't work, you can't care about what fucking you know whoever chucked down the block being like what a fucking loser. Looking, you know. So I'm really. That's one thing that I'm really happy that I have is I'm gonna try something that I want to try because you only got you get you know like not the same core, but you got one life. So just give everything your your best try, and uh, I, that's that's really what it is. Like even with this record label, like re I mean, how many record labels actually work out? And I know that, and I know that if it doesn't work out and we have to stop doing it, I know I at least hey hey that would have been cool, and it's kind of cool just to say hey I have a shirt, you know. So. That's what that is. And, and, and you have that same thing, you know what I mean? Which is, which is crazy. Like, too, too, you know? I, I feel like you're a lot better at tuning out what other people think. Like even this, like I, I feel like an idiot every time I post like one of my podcast links on social media, like I hate out there, but I know that it's, it's necessary to, but you know, I, I think, now that I am somebody that does put myself out there and it's uncomfortable, like I'm, I'm learning that everybody feels that way. Like it's very rare. I think the people that like love to be in the spotlight probably never make it into the spot. Like most people that are out there that you think. So I can't imagine like I, I've, I have a very new respect for people like actors and musicians yeah. who create like a product or a song or a movie and then put it out there and have to be like, like now I'm open to criticism from everybody. Like it, it's, yeah. it's a very scary thing and like a very brave thing, but it's, it goes back to that. You know what? Like fortune favors the bold. Everybody's scared that people are going to talk shit about their song or hate their TV show or not listen to their podcast, but you know, you, you just do it anyway. That's everybody starts there and you, you know, it just gets easier and easier and easier. Like the, me and Sean were talking about it, but when, um, when Henry Rollins was on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he said that he played that show 
And uh, he's like, yeah, I play with a musician and the guy, right I opened for him and he was like, is anybody out there? And he was like, what? He's like, yeah, every show I'm worried nobody's gonna show up. And he's like, there's 60,000 people out there. And he, Joe Rogan was like, who is it? He wouldn't tell him. And finally he was like, it was Ozzy Osbourne. And this was like a few years ago. He's still like, every show was like, people aren't gonna show up. People aren't gonna like, he was like freaking Ozzy Osbourne. But I feel like that's just what most people have. And that that's something that we've talked about a bunch of times that I really feel like, you know, there's other people in your industry that aren't around anymore. And we've had discussions about like, those were the guys that literally took it for granted, thought no matter what they played, people were gonna love, no matter what they did, people were gonna keep coming to their shows. And you guys have always, when nobody was around and we've had like beers and just been drunk talking, you guys have always been very appreciative of your situation and your fans and like the success that you had and the run that you had. And I think that that really makes all the difference in the world. And it's, it's sincere, it's genuine and people can feel that. You know, with, with seeing musicians that they, they blow up, they get huge, right? And then not, not all, but some will all of a sudden now think like, well, now I can just be a dick to everybody. <laughs> Instead of thinking, man, this is great. How cool is this? I'm so lucky. Now I could just go and be cool and be, and be nice. And you know what I mean? Why, why do you think like, well, this is awesome. People like what I'm doing. Is it that's rare? So I'm just that much happier. And I, I, that's always confused me a little bit. It's like, well, why are you being a? What's the point of this? Why are you being a dick? You know, you know, it, it could end like that, like that. So that's a good way to go into. You know, I think I think taking back somebody's always done that. Like we've always been very uh, insecure about our success. Because you know what? We saw the dip. Like, I remember the dip, you know, in, in 2008 or nine when New Again came out, we played uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And the last time that we played there, it was outside, right? And everything, like, it was packed. I mean, you, you know, you couldn't get another person in there. And then when we went on this time, I, I was sitting there with Adam and, you know, we were about to go on in like 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, and we were looking out and there was not a lot of people there. Right. And I was like, huh, because we, we never had gotten that yet. It always had been a slow progression of more and more and more and more. And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, no, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is how this is what they're talking about. Like the the the, the flop album or, or whatever, whatever that is. And man, that, that's that's a rough thing to deal with when you haven't dealt with it yet. But but, you know, like. We could have stopped playing, but we didn't, you know, we got, yo, that was really the in, you know, to get Sean and John back in the band. Like it, we, it was so dysfunctional at that point that I remember thinking like the only way that this could possibly work out is if John and Sean come back. That's the only fucking way or else I'm, I'm out, I'm out of here because I don't want to, I'm not having fun with, with the people that I'm doing this with. So what's, what's the point? Yeah, and Sean actually said that you again the way you you marked them into getting Sean back in. There, I know. marked I marked I marked the shit out of everybody for that one. Mark made it happen, but I mean, and it's awesome. <laughs> Even when I go home now, like it, it is really nice that like you guys are my closest friends and that I actually like what you do. Like your your CD, my car. Like whenever I go to New York, it's just on play. Like all the new stuff is, is really cool. Like I like all the stuff you guys are doing. And the craziest thing about that, that, that the craziest thing about what you just said is that you still listen 
from CDs. Yeah, I do. I do. Well, because I like the New York car, I, I don't bother like switching anything out on. So I'm just like CD goes in. But uh, yeah, absolutely. That's that's true. But um, so another thing that I think is cool that I I think. Hold on. Last thing. Last thing before I say before we leave that subject is you said that the first demo you didn't like it, and you know I I I, I when you were telling me that story and then like me being like you know what like, but that's a good friend. And now I know, like, if I'm doing something that sucks, tell me, yo, Mark, you fucking suck. This sucks. It's a bad idea. I want no, nothing to do with it. Instead of just like kind of, yeah, uh, you know, just tell me right off the bat. It's like when you see a dude, you're out walking down the street and you see a dude with a terrible comb over, right? <laughs> something, whatever it is, you see how this, and then my first thought immediately is like, that person doesn't have one person that loves him enough to tell him that he looks ridiculous you know what i mean so it's the people that love you that are telling you yo uh, this guy sucks you know instead of dragging it along which i think is is a shitty thing to do so thank you so thank go you. i feel the same way i mean it, it uh it always sucks like i almost every day wake up with this idea that i think is the best idea in the world mm -hmm. and then i run it by like nicole and I'm like, you are, n I, I nailed it. I have it. And then like, I'll go through it <laughs> and listen to me. And then she'll just tear it to pieces. And then I'm always like, uh, but like, I have so many bad ideas that I think are amazing. And she constantly shoots them down, which I hate. And then like halfway through the day, I'm like, you know, you're right. That was a really stupid idea. Thank you for telling me that. Cause I would have run with that. And so people need yeah. Everybody needs uh, somebody to, to tell them how you know, the, the first couple of minutes hurt. Yeah, they do. They you suck. know what I mean? You got to take like five minutes to kind of like, all right, this isn't going to happen. And you're pissed, you know what I mean? And you're like, fucking lost for you, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, all right, don't be a baby. Just go out go back out there. Yeah. You, you know what I started to do when I was, um, when I was doing more stuff and I, and I had more partners? Every time I wanted to like tell somebody off, because everybody was like, you're too quick, like, don't react because it's business. You can't do that. So mm -hmm. I would send all my partners like the email or the text message that I wanted to send to that person. And then there would be like a one day period of like, do you still feel that way? Or like, and sometimes they'd be like, you a hundred percent can't send that. Like, are you freaking crazy? But other times, like, I'd be like, look, I calmed down. And they're like, no, that was, that was justified. Send that. So like, I feel like there's, there's always a time and a place, but yeah, that, just like shooting off, like you have to learn to sit back and take it in and be like, well, where are they coming from with that? Do they have yeah. a with that, you know? I mean, isn't that what, uh, I always mess it up. I don't know if it's a producer or a director, but like when you're in studio doing stuff, isn't there somebody who's like more of this, less of this, take that out, change that. Yeah. You know? So it's always for the greater good. And I think it also depends on who it comes from. You know, it comes mm -hmm. from some dude on Twitter telling you your music sucks. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, but it comes from somebody that, you know, is actually coming from a good place that they're trying to help. And that's what I wish I remember is like, who's the source of who's giving me this information? Is it, you know, like your mom and your dad obviously care about you. They're going to try and tell you things to protect you versus, you know, like somebody that has an ulterior motive to just be a dick. It's like, eh. you know. Yeah. Um, Pe people, internet trolls, man. That's another pet peeve. Yeah. You know? I've never seen that bother you. That, I mean, it, it, it drives me nuts. I'm still trying to learn how to deal with it, but, um, I've never been bothered by that ever. It's crazy. Uh, what I do now is, um, and I learned this from Ice-T, because I saw him talk about this. He was like, man, someone write me something I don't like. 
What, what do you say? He writes some, somebody writes something he doesn't like in them. What? If someone, if something, someone writes some shit like Ice T, you fucking suck. Your rap sucks. You're a shitty actor. Instead of engaging, just block. <laughs> and that's what I do now. Every time I give a block, when if I see something I don't like, one thing like, hey, why don't you be even? Just block. <laughs> I've had actually people write me. If I block them on Instagram, they'll write me on Facebook and be like, hey, motherfucker, what the fuck? I say one thing, you fucking block me, and I'll go all there, and I'll go block Facebook. <laughs> Feels hey, good. Yeah, cut yeah. it out. It's the easiest way. Yeah, because if you if you even, uh, if, there's no point of, um, no one, if you, if you write someone back like that, no one is going to be, it's like politics almost. If you like, you know, like if you're having a, a discussion with your buddy who thinks different politically and you explain to them why you think they're wrong about it. Have you ever seen a conversation like that go well to where the other person's like, hmm, maybe you're right. No, never, never happened. Nope. Literally never. I agree. Um, so one of the things I wanted to talk to you about as well, uh, when, when I was younger, I remember I always assumed like, okay, if, I don't know, like, who's a good example, what, whatever band, let's say it's Cindy Lauper and Cindy mm -hmm. Lauper's playing music. And I'd be like, okay, well, that is the music that Cindy Lauper loves. It's all she listens to. Okay. That's Yanni. Like that's all Yanni listens to. And, and um, I've, I've learned from knowing you guys and meeting some of the people you've introduced me to that a lot of the types of music people play professionally has no reflection on what they actually love, where they actually come from and what they, they actually influences them. And I think you're a great example of that because, uh, you know, even my brother, like I look at my brother, Dan LaMagna, anybody wants to look him up, great drummer, great guy, great beer. Great drummer. Um, but you know, like he was playing like Yanni and percussions in the marimba. And then like a few months later, he was like flying out to audition for Slayer. And it's like, you yeah. would never think that. And uh, you have a background that you, like big time punk rock, huge punk rock, which maybe people wouldn't know. And you also listen to a lot of rap and you love doo-wop, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like people that are that are musicians like love good music. And, and that's kind of, a, I've always felt, you know, obviously I don't play music anymore, but I just, if it's good, I like it. So I wanted to hear, cause um, you introduced me to the Beatles. And I remember mm -hmm. coming over my house when there was just a little like plastic Fisher Price type drum in my basement and you grabbed these sticks and you started playing uh, Tutti Frutti and just like singing and stuff. Like you've always just big, been big into the music. And then, uh, I don't know, then you guys, I think your next band was the Rock and Rollers. You, Kave, Rock Mulvaney, uh, Dave O'Connell, Instant. We were going places. <laughs> we were. It's a, it's a shame that ended, but. I remember the song, I'm a rocker, I'm a roller, I'm a rock and roller. <laughs> yeah. I remember you got to get that band back together, but um, yeah. So I mean, from the Beatles to doo-wop to rap to punk, um, to just modern rock, taking back Sunday Sunday type stuff. What were some of your biggest musical influences, and do you bring any of those over into um into Taking Back Sunday? Because I know some of the stuff that you've played me, so you've been like, hey, check out this riff that I'm doing for a new song, and I can tell when you have more influence on it because a lot of the times it's like punkier or things like that, but um. I just think it's interesting to see what influences you in music because it might not necessarily be what people think listening to taking right. Well, now you say that like it, there's been 
a few times in my life to where I don't, you know, whatever the situation is, but this certain person who doesn't know me just assumes that I kind of like listen to emo, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like emo, you know, and I'm not like, emo is not bad. It's not, but like, it's weird to where I'm like, well, wait, people think I listen. I would ever listen to this band and like it. So it, I didn't realize that for many years, pretty recently. But um, but the Beatles, man, I still listen to them constantly. Like I throw on the Beatles when I'm like, turn off the TV, family, especially. And I throw on like, I'm like, what album? You know, Revolver, because, you know, Mickey likes the loves the Beatles, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and to me, you know, because you, you can't say musically, it's hard to say, like, who's the best? That's all opinion, right? So who's the best band in the world or who's the best anything that makes music in the world? The only thing that's back to me in music is that the Beatles are the greatest band that ever was and ever will be. Hands down. No question. It's a wild thing, like, to hear a band that was only together for 10 years and you're just like, oh, my God, this song, this song, this song. Uh, so that's how I feel about the Beatles. And that's what I think about. It. I think it's fact that they're the best ever. But you know what I mean? It's cool when, when you listen to all that, that different type of stuff. You live, listen to hip hop and then, you know, a lot of like New York hardcore, like VOD, Brandon from VOD. Like, I, I remember, like, you know, I listened to VOD a lot and played along to it. So he kind of um, helped, and, you know, and, and Lars. And uh, you know Keith Moon and Bonham, like it's cool that you pick up all these things from every genre from so many different years, and then add your own taste to it. And uh, and I think that that's what makes it uh, an interesting, um, you know, for an interesting band. You know, when you when you when you have all those things. But I'll tell you what, your brother listens to the drummer for Yanni is like nasty. Dude is nasty. So when you said that, it didn't surprise me that your brother listens to him because that dude is, is shit. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't know. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's weird because with drums, like guitar, I can hear and be like, that person is not just like, you know, again, it goes to just because Kurt Cobain's playing four power chords doesn't mean that he doesn't know how to play guitar, which might be a bad example. But I mean, you could tell some guys like El Jefe from No Effects. He might be playing a song that's a simple song to play, but you can tell that he's super talented and a great guitar player and a real musician. So mm -hmm. I can't hit that. I, I don't understand that. I don't know drums well enough to do that, but um, um, I think it's cool. And again, it's a recipe. So like you guys, different backgrounds and your different personalities, I think is what makes that awesome. And over the years, it was cool because a few people that were like, hey, let me, um, you know, a couple of times guys from work and we, we'd be in the same cities, which is always cool. And we'll pop in and they'll be like, hey, like, let's together and let me let me hear some of your friend's band before we go to hear them. And I, like every time I've had to make like a mix for somebody, it's been really easy to put together like 10 songs from Taking Back Sunday that sound completely different. It's like New American Classic or like Make Dan Shore. And then like, you know how I do and all these things. And they, they're all totally different. But I feel like that that is kind of cool that you have a little bit of something for everybody. And over time, you guys have really it's just not the same thing in the same album and the same song. And, and I think that that's a really cool thing, you know, cause I can Thanks. be in different moods and I can still listen to your band because it's 
it, you can find some songs to fit the mood. Like I've been playing uh, Ghost Man on Third Like all day. Great song. It's a great song. Thanks. Yeah. And taking that Sunday, man, like we've always kind of just gone in there and, and uh, let the song write itself kind of, you know, no matter what it is, what, what genre, how it sounds, if it's right for the song, it's good, you know. So if we tried to write Tell Your Friends over and over and over again, we, we would have been done years ago. And people think that they want that, but they really don't. You know what I mean? In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. So I, I, I'm interested to hear, I was listening to somebody and it made me think of it that I thought it was a great question for you. But um, when did you realize that you guys were like a big deal and how did that feel? Because I remember, I think it was the victory tour and you guys were like, we're signed to victory. We're going on tour. And I was like, that's awesome. And I actually went with Mike Penza to Florida and me and Mike Penza, Lauren, and I think a couple other people, we came to one of your shows and you guys mm -hmm. were the opening band on that tour. One of the first ones. And I remember Adam was like all skinny and had like short hair and stuff. And there wasn't a ton of people. Yeah. I remember the energy that went into that show. Like, I still think like you guys in Suicide City were two of the bands that I saw play for a very small amount of people that put on a show like you were playing for a stadium, which I was like, yeah, that's what's going to make them successful is whether there's one people, 100,000 people, like they're giving it their all, like they're bringing their A game, like type of thing. So I remember at that point being like, these guys are going to be really big. And then like, sure enough, soon after that, I, we went on like another tour and then it was like, things were sold out and then when, when you guys took suicide city out and it was that college tour and like it was just nuts so i i saw some progression there but when was it that you were like holy shit like this actually like we're we're doing big things here we're making it like when did you realize that and how did it, how did it feel there was one one show in upstate new york that uh it's called the chance sure. in Poughkeepsie, and um i don't know what tour we were on or when it was but when we were playing it, it it was sold out and there was you know people were freaking out to the music and i remember thinking like i don't know what it was about that show but i was like oh my god like my dream is actually coming true you know we're all the way upstate just like a packed house and that was just one moment where i was like wow this is this is crazy what a crazy thing this actually happened um yeah so it was the chance of poughkeepsie i remember also about that day being like oh i'm gonna go for a walk and i walked down the 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 you know walk down in front of the venue and i was like no no i'm not i'm gonna go back inside because it was scary it was it's not like that anymore but back then it was man that was it was a terrifying block <laughs> Do you remember? I think it was that show, me and you went down to the corner to like go to an ATM or get a beer or something, and some drunk dude started throwing ashtrays at me. That was in Philly. <laughs> yeah, it was in Philly. That was in Philly. Oh my God. Yeah, we're walking past the bar this morning, then all of a sudden, wait. <laughs> yeah, all, all this shit comes flying out of the bar. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? Uh, how did that end? I think I like asked, he was crazy. He was completely nuts. And I was like, are you throwing ashtrays at me? And he was like, yeah, motherfucker. And I was like, all right. And then we just kind of like went to the place and got food. And I was like, all right. It was like 9 a.m. or something crazy like that. And he was yeah. 
That dude must have had some good blow that he could not put down. <laughs> <laughs> That's that. Yeah, I remember thinking that. Like, uh, all right, this guy is probably doing cocaine all night. You know, if, for me, when I the, the exact show that I realized how big you guys were, it was when we drove from Albany to Worcester, and we saw you guys at the Palladium with Brand New, and uh-huh. guys falling, and it was like one of the coolest shows, and that was the first time that you were like, we have like a backstage, and there's alcohol and food, and we can like, like, girl, and I was like, oh my, this is, this is it, like, this is. Yeah, that was the shit, that was the shit. My brother was at that show, right? Yes, yeah. Oh, and he got trashed, and he came out on stage and was like doing this, and everybody was like cheering him on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was fun. That was really fun, man. That was a huge show, and it was we were supposed to play the small room at that venue, which is you know probably two hundred, three hundred cap, and then they moved it to that. It's like which was like four thousand, something like that, and it sold out. Now that was wild. That was wild, man. That was a great time. Yeah, it was. I used to love like when we play and you guys were up at Albany, hang out and you know what I thought about recently is uh, that bar in Albany when I when I came up to visit. This is before Taking Back Sunday uh, had gotten big. It was probably like freshman year, and you convinced me that I should steal a bottle of alcohol from behind the bar. I did. I don't even remember this at all. Yeah, and. I remember thinking, like, years later, I thought about it. I was like, man, if they had caught me, like, the bouncers just love kicking the shit out of everybody there. Oh, is that the post? The post. And they're, they're like, oh, my God, I do remember. That was a really bad idea. Sorry. That was a very bad idea. That's something I would not do now. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Man, being young, is, you're so stupid when you're young and you don't even know it. Really are like I look back and I remember being that age and being like, I deserve like more rights and more of a say and stuff. And like looking back now, I was like, You're a moron, like, yeah, stupid. it's so crazy. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's crazy times, but even those, um, so I know like some of the bands you guys have played with, I was talking to Sean a little bit about it, but what what's your take on how the music industry has changed in 20 years and even some of the bands that you guys have been around with because. There were some bands that you guys have played with that I saw you guys play with when they were small, and then they blew up, and they were just freaking huge, and now I never mm-hmm. hear about them anymore. And, yeah. You know, and again, you guys are still around, and it's cool for me because, you know, I post stuff. I posted that video with Sean um, last week, and there's always people, you know, somebody new from Sarah Jiu-Jitsu or somebody from a real estate thing or some, like, financial guy that I know that'll always message me and be like, oh my God, like, I love that band. And uh, it comes from a lot of different walks of life and a lot of different people. And um, I've met some really cool people and seen some cool stuff. Like, I remember you guys played some festival and me and you and Sean were on stage. It was us and like the guy from Offspring. And we were watching some band. And then right after that, Foo Fighters were coming up. And like Dave Grohl and them just like jump up on the van and come up on stage and were just standing next to us. And I was like, Dude, this is so freaking weird. We're just like standing on stage next to Dave Grohl and the guy from freaking uh, uh, The Offspring. And um, what was that? Um, I think I, I remember that. Where was that? I think Bob Dylan played that show. Bob Dylan played, yeah. It was nuts. But um, I mean, you've had some big shows and you've played and come across. Like, we got to stand on stage and watch Rant. So it's cool because I feel like you've gotten to 
like hang out and play with the people that were your heroes when you were growing up. Like, I mean, we yeah. were like rancid. We were like obsessed with it. I still listen to them all the time, but I thought it was a cool thing. My brother brought it up once when he was playing with Biohazard and he was like, man, like I had posters of them on my wall when I was a kid. And now like yeah. a lot of the guys that were my heroes have become my friends. And I've seen that happen a little bit with you, but what do you think like a couple of your, your biggest moments from being a fan that being in a band has, has allowed you that you've been like, man, this is a really cool thing that I got to do or that you look back that were just like really cool memories like that. Um, one that pops out is uh, we opened up for Green Day in uh, Milton Keys. And it was like 60,000, it was two days. Jimmy Eat World, uh, we, we opened Jimmy Eat World Play Second and it was Green Day show. It was right when American Idiot came out. So they were just like, they were fucking massive. And um, after, or earlier in the day, Billy Joe Armstrong came to our um, tent. It was like, hey, listen, guys, we're going to throw a party after the show, you know, at, the, at this tent over here, blah, 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 you know, just drinks and some food. And so come on out. And like Billy Joe Armstrong, man, like in ninth grade, if you look at a picture of, of me from ninth grade, I was trying so hard to look like him, but I was just, I was fat. So it didn't work, <laughs> I was, you know, but I, I looked like a fat Billy Joe Armstrong. Um, and uh, so, and then, so the party happened, Stuart Copeland's there and Jude Law, right? So then, but then I started talking to uh, Mike Dern and we talked for a long time about Speech and Weasel because he played on um, how to make enemies and irritate people. So we're talking about it. And then, you know, so both of our drinks were done, right? And he was like, hey, I'm gonna get another drink. You, let me make you one. And I was like, okay, right? So then, but when he walked away, like I had really, my brain had like come to grips with the fact that I was talking to Mike Dern, the bass player for this band that I've listened to since I was a little kid. And I got real nervous and he comes back and the, the drink was filled to the top, made a strong drink. Maybe it was like a Jack and Coke, something like that. And he hands it to me and I start shaking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shaking. I'm like, oh, oh God, he's he's talking to me like I'm a regular person, uh, you know. And but he so so the fucking Jack and Coke is kind of you know I'm trying to pretend it's not happening, but the Jack and Coke is fucking spilling all over the place. And he looks at me. He was like, all right, man, um, nice talking to you. And he walked away. <laughs> uh but like I didn't even give a shit. I was just like, man, I got to talk to Mike Dirk about fucking Screeching Weasel and, and different punk bands for quite a while. That, that's something I'll never forget. That was really cool. He was really cool. That's awesome. Did you have the Screeching Weasel tattoo yet? Uh, no. I, mm, no, I don't think I did. No. It's got to be weird for guys like uh, like I know people are always sending Joe Rogan stuff on Instagram where they're like, dude, check out this tattoo. And it's a tattoo of like his face. Yeah. Like, somebody was like, Mark, look, and they had you like on their like chest or something. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be really weird. That has not happened. It's, uh, what people have done usually is like they'll get our autographs on their arm. And then they'll they'll tattoo the autographs. So that's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure Adam's face has been been on a couple people. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice the um isn't it nice though sometimes like when you're 
when you get to you play a show and then like I, I don't think I understood it as much, but then sometimes like I'll do these big real estate trainings and then like you teach all day for days and days and days. And then finally you get like an hour and they're like, we're going to do a mixer and have a drink. And you're mm -hmm. like, like, all right, I get to just like not think about this for a minute. And then you, somebody gets in the elevator with you and they're like, Hey, can I ask you about this property? And you're like, Oh, I just want to talk about anything but that right now. Like just for a little bit. So like, I understand the backstage thing now because it's like you get to hang out with other guys that just want to talk about punk bands or like, they don't want to ask you about business stuff or, or whatever. Like, um, so I feel like people just like to be in a place where you can be off the clock a little bit and just be people like, um, and again, yeah. I think that's probably why, um, it was interesting. Cause when I was, I remember when Chris Weidman won the, the title the first time and, um, you know, we were, we were training a lot together before that. And I told him everything I know. <laughs> He's a lucky, lucky guy. Yeah. Did he thank you? Yes, he did. He did. He thanked me because it took about 10 minutes for me to be like, this is all I know. And he was like, thanks for that. And then he beat me up. Um, but uh, I remember he came back and like they had him all over the place. And I was at the gym one day and he hadn't written me back or whatever. And I was on like the treadmill and he came up behind me and I was like, oh, what's up, rock star? Like, can't return my text now. And I was just like messing with him. But um, he was like, dude, I've been so busy. I'm sorry. Like he showed me his phone and he had like hundreds of texts he hadn't gotten an answer yet. And there was like, I think like Stone Cold, it was crazy. Like the people that were reaching out to him after he won. And at first, and I was like, well, I don't want to bother him because he's like a big deal now and I don't want to annoy him. But then like after a couple of weeks, I was like, this is like stupid. What, like, why am I going to act different? Because he like accomplished what the whole point of what we were training for was anyway. Like he won a yeah. fight, what he's always done. Like nothing on his side changed, just the way I'm acting towards him changed. And then I stopped and he was talking about that. He was like, all these people start to act different towards me and then they act like I'm the one who started acting different. So sometimes when you get to go talk to other people that are successful, you get back to having that normal conversation. So I know like we used to hang out with Amy Schumer a lot and she became this like massive star and you get to go like hang out with her and, and probably just talk like you're still kids in junior high school and just get to, you know, mess around. And when me, you and Sean get together, like we don't sit around and talk about like, rate of return in the music industry and like we just hang out and talk and uh i think that that's an important thing so have you had like wh where do you go to talk to other people to like vent about success in music industry thing because um you know like not not to go too much off topic but like one of my friends is a very successful real estate guy and he's like i still have problems he's like they're they're bigger problems now because I, i've come so far he's like but i'm still a person and they bother me and when i try and go to like my normal friends and my friends and family and be like, Oh God, this $15 million deal is falling apart. They're like, shut the fuck. Like get, get, but he's like, but I should have a place to be able to vent. So that's why I like to call you and complain. Cause you're just let me do it and get it off my chest. So, I mean, is that where your bandmates kind of come in? Cause I feel like you guys have a pretty good relationship. Obviously Sean's one of our best friends, but where do you go to get some of that like shop talk and stuff off your chest that I'm sure you can't go to everybody and be like, Oh, poor Mark, you got to play in front of a sold out crowd today or go do an interview for TM or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I mean, if we're on tour and we're doing that stuff, like the guys, you know, Sean, John, Nathan, you know, Adam, like just to kind of, you know, that, that's, you know, it, it when, you know, when you're talking about that, it was really funny. I, I was outside, I was talking to kids. It was a while ago, but um, one 
came up and started talking to me, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, um, hey, do you ever, uh, do, you, do you like, do you ever see Adam? Like, you ever, do you talk to him? And I was like, yeah, I do. And uh, he kept on asking me about it. I was like, yo, like, I, yeah. And I, I can't remember how I talked about it, but it was just such, that might've been the weirdest question I've ever gotten in my entire life. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I guess that's not really the best story I've told. To, maybe edit that one out. Yeah. But it, it reminded me of, the thing that reminded me of is you, you were talking about Screech and Weasel, and that always reminds me of the queers. And I remember me, you, and Sean went to go see them in L.A. And um, uh -huh. we went and, and talked to him after, and we were definitely drunk. And you started telling him how much you love the band, and he was like, dude, uh, you're from New York? He's like, oh, what do you think is going to do this? And, like, all he wanted to do was talk baseball. Right. <laughs> um, at that point, I, uh, I was hammered when I did that, when we were doing that. Yeah. There's been times where I thought about that and I've been like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I, I kind of punched the shit out of him, didn't I? Uh, a little bit, but he, he was he was all right with it. But it, I was young, all right. Yeah, I was young. We've all done that to somebody at some time for sure. And yeah. uh, that was a fun show, man. That was a real fun show. They're another great live band, man. They those old. There was a bunch of them that were coming up, like. Um, uh, the Queers, Avail, uh, Bad Religion, and Alkaline Cheer were all supposed to play out here. And I was like, I'm going to go to all of them because I'm not traveling now. And then... What, like right now? Yeah, and then they all got canceled. They were all playing this month. Every one of them was playing, like, in April. And I was like, man. And then, like, Andrew Santino and Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura were going to be out here. I was like, I'm going to have, like, the best month ever. And then everything got canceled. I was like... Yeah. Man, but I was going to have, like, a nostalgia month of, like... You know, Alkaline Chio, Avail, Bad Religion. So I, I've been going down this rabbit hole of just going on YouTube and playing concerts of all the bands I wanted to see. And it's getting me excited to, like, go back and see shows and concerts and stuff like that, you know? I can't wait for that. I can't wait for it to, for it to be normal again. This is so – let's talk about that, how nuts and this is. And, you know, like, you could – like, you could think about things that can go wrong. Like, what could happen to make this situation go wrong? But, man, a pandemic is just, at, like, not a thing that, you know, like, I, I, you know, this is very adult to talk about. But, like, I was like, hey, I'm going to invest some money in Tesla, right? <laughs> and this is probably two weeks before Corona really hit. So I did. And, but beforehand, thinking about it, I was like, all right, well, what could go wrong with Tesla? Like, say, say something happens to Elon Musk. Right. So maybe it will take a little hit then. But there's no way Elon Musk doesn't have his team with the most brilliant fucking people on the planet that are still going to make that company rise. Fuck, you know, like be be the biggest thing. And um, so I got it. And then uh, the pandemic happened. I was like, pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> That'll make the stock drop. Um, it, it's crazy. You know, it is. It's nuts. It's uh, it's. I mean, it's another thing that I definitely wanted to talk about. So you you had mentioned something earlier about how, like, at one point you saw the dip in the band and you were like, "Oh no, it's going down." Um, but I, you know, I guess the the term like life after baseball. I like talking to guys 
especially, you know, like um, I did an episode that came out today with this guy, James Krause, who's like a UFC fighter. And obviously we have like, you know, Wyman and, and Ally Quinta and a lot of these guys. But I like talking to people that do things like, you know, play music or, you know, even hear these stories about Jeremy Renner and these guys in Hollywood. But a lot of them are investing in things to be able to support the thing that they love doing. So like, God forbid people start coming to your shows. God forbid people, you know, James Krause or, or Al get injured and they can't fight anymore. Their real estate or their stocks or their, their cash flow properties or whatever it is, is the thing that they're, they're not relying on their dream to fund their reality. And I feel like you are somebody that's always done that. You've been talking to me about things that you've been investing in for years and years. Um, your parents are, are awesome, awesome people. I got to hang out with your dad a little bit more in Hawaii and Mickey, which was awesome. Your dad's a very smart guy too. I know that he, he understands investments and money and finance and things like that. So um, what are some things that I, I know, obviously he's probably somebody who pushed you initially to do smart things with the money that you were making. But you can yeah. do that now. I see you making your own decisions on it, and we've talked about it in the past. But talk about your your mindset with getting into investments to make sure you have a safety net and some of the things that you've done over the years for that. Well, the one thing that I look at is is like, do I like like if I want to do invest like so? Say I just got Tesla. Like, I think it's a cool company, and I think he's going to make cool like he's already made cool cars, and that's where the world is headed, and He's an interesting guy to watch. Like, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep on, like, doing, investing in things that I think are cool. Like, like that when, you know, like, um, Impossible Burger, Impossible uh, Food. Like, when that goes public, even if it doesn't do amazingly well, like, yo, I like the, the Impossible Burger at White Castle. I enjoy <laughs> it. So... And that's something that I believe will get bigger and bigger and bigger as we get older. So that's, uh, that's kind of just, it's as simple as that. Do I think it's cool? Do I have some money to lose? It, so say if I, you know, say if it goes away, am I cool after, you know, that's just the two things. Like make sure you're still financially good if you make that and make it something that you think is, is uh, going to change everything, which is crazy because everything keeps on changing, man in this world, like think about what we, we grew up, what was still like the, the old school kind of, you know what I mean? Before the internet, like think about all the things that have changed so recently. It's, it's wild. It's really interesting. It is, it's crazy. I, I was reading an article that they said that the world is gonna change more in the next three years than it has in the last 20, which is absolutely insane. So. You know, it's really hard to build out an investment strategy long term because of things that are just, they become obsolete so fast. Like even in my industry with real estate, when this coronavirus happened, I literally watched half of the people that I know in this business that were very successful immediately become dinosaurs overnight. Like there's just, there's no way to predict that because strategies that they were doing just dry up. Like Wall Street money goes, we're not lending hard money lenders start to raise the rates. Now the deals don't make sense anymore or they own retail buildings that are no longer paying them and they weren't smart with their money so they don't have reserves. So now they have to, they're going to default on their business. And I mean, it's just like a trickling effect of like people who don't adapt or they don't like handle their business or they don't study their books to look where they're at or they don't diversify, you know? So it, it is kind of crazy. Like the, you know, I always use the term like they're, 
they're the blockbuster videos. They're the Toys R Us that, you know, Netflix yeah. is going, hey, we're doing this new thing. And Blockbuster's going, don't tell me what to do. Like, I'm Blockbuster video. I know everything. And then, right. oh, you know what I mean? So I feel like that adaption, like a, a guy we're talking about, about developing some land out here, he's like in his 80s and he's owned it forever. It's like, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a big plot of land. Like, we can build a lot of stuff on it. He's like, I have this money. He's like, and I'm terrified to invest in anything because I'm, I'm in my 80s. He's like, and I don't understand the world anymore. He's like, a few years ago, I was going to buy a Walgreens. He's like, and I got offered to do that again. He's like, but if you ask me in three years if people are still going to be going to a pharmacy to pick up their prescriptions, my answer is going to be, I have no idea. Like, are they going to be dropping right. off prescriptions with drones in people's front lawns and owning a CVS is the stupidest thing you could ever do. He's like, I'm terrified to right. because I have no idea what's going to happen. You know, that's why um, I've always believed in real estate because anything that's happened, the common denominator has been people still need a roof over their head. So I've always felt safe with that. But with stocks, I, I've always used a, a similar philosophy like you have that it's, it's been something that if somebody I really trust says something and it's something that sounds cool to me, I'll invest in a stock with money that I, I, I go, if it's gone, I'm okay. Like I'm only going to invest enough in something that I'm not completely confident in or, or don't understand with something that if the money never comes back, I'm okay with it. And if something comes from it, awesome. So um, I just yeah. you know, I try and work on what I know, but you know, you've always pointed out, I remember a few times you were like, uh, you bought some stuff in San Antonio and then San Antonio skyrocketed. And then you were talking to me about how you, you're like Nashville and then Nashville skyrocketed. So uh, maybe that's your. Dude, I, I wish that I redid that, that Nashville thing. Cause it was like six, seven years ago. I, that's not, every time I'm in Nashville, I was like, God damn it, I should have just gone through with it. Why didn't I, why didn't I do that? But there, there's always going to no, be when, Nashville. That's, that's the cool thing is like the, the way the market goes. And when stuff like this happens, it's just another opportunity to look at those places that have always come up and bounced back. Like I just listened to this guy who's a billionaire and he's like decade after decade for the last like 40 years, I've watched Florida, Nevada, Arizona, and California drop and come back to big drop and come down to it he's like i can literally just make a business bottle after whatever you know you call it what it is the the pandemic or 9-11 or a terrorist attack or a recession or whatever it is okay these four states are gonna plummet and then they're gonna be the first four states to come back up higher than ever he's like and i just have to time that so um it's kind of interesting it's kind of cool you know to look at the trends of business and be able to do that and that's one of the biggest things i get out of doing this is just getting to interview people that are smarter than me and kind of make a scrapbook of it and you know, to try and pick their brain and learn stuff so I don't keep making stupid mistakes, you know? I like Do you, you find it crazy that smart people, like there's very, very, like, like brilliant people that will find themselves in a predicament to where they're kind of fucked because of what they said. Like, so what, what are they doing wrong? They're living above their means, right? They, instead of living below and having that safety blanket, every, they're just, they live in a place that they could afford for that month. You know what I mean? And then when something happens, they're out. They're out on their end. Like, why, why live like that? Like, do not worry. I couldn't live like that. So, um, I mean, you know, that, that's it. That's that story. I agree. I agree. I'm trying to see if the couple more questions they got for you. Um... It makes me happy that you talk about me in when you're talking to people. Always. That's, not, that's cool. 
Yeah, you're always a big part of my uh, my story. Another another thing that I always uh, that I always tell people is like sometimes I'll see like there'll be somebody who comes up to me or and they'll be like, hey, you know, like I don't have anything, but like I listened to what you said and now I want to go and I want to start like you know buying houses or doing this because I got to take care of my kid or you know I might my, my dad you know, never believe you. They always have like some really like cool story or something pushing them that they want to do something. And it, like a lot of the time it comes from like a really cool place that would make one of those amazing success stories. And there's always like one asshole in every room who's like, ah, this guy's never going to do anything or like, you can't do that. And just go and like, and just negative and kind of craps on them. So I, I actually share that story about you. And I'm like, look, um, like you and Billy have, have both said things to me about it. But I remember one of the things Billy said was, uh, He's like, you want to be nice to everybody because the same people you see on the way up are going to be the same people you see on the way down. He's like, so just be cool to everybody. And then, um, you know, for me, it's been like somebody like wanting to be a rock star. How many people grow up wanting to be a rock star and how many people tell them don't do that, you know, get a job, go work for the post office and, and don't encourage that. But if everybody tried to stomp out the dreams of everybody who wanted to be an actor or a musician or an artist or a producer the world would have no music. It would have no TV shows. It would have no art. We wouldn't have like amazing albums like the Beatles and stuff like that if everybody in John Lennon's life told him he's an idiot, go work in a movie theater or you know, go get a job right. on Wall Street. So I try and tell people like with that, like support them because everybody out there that you see is successful had probably more of the people in their life initially trying to talk them out of that or telling them it was a ridiculous dream. And when they make it big, because some of those people are, it's just statistics. Do you want to be the person that they remember always like shit on their dream and try to talk them out of it and was always negative? Or do you want them to be the person that when they're given an interview, they're like, you know what? Mark O'Connell actually was somebody who always like told me, go for it and believed in me and supported me. And like, that's what you're going to want at the end of the day. So be that for somebody, because if it was you and it was your dream, you wouldn't want somebody trying to like, it's, it's hard enough to be successful in anything and deal with all these other things. The last thing you need is the people that you care about, like shitting on you and, and being more right. encouraging and stuff like that. So it's like pump people up, support each other, like do be the cheerleader for somebody that you need somebody to be for you. And I, I always use a story about you for that. Cause I think it's important. And, and one of the things I think is really awesome about you and Sean, like just bringing a point to the story that I'm telling is, there's been a lot of bands that I've seen you guys play with and I, I know, I, I know it's human nature, so I'm not like picking on anybody, but I also know that when you guys started getting really big, there was people that were very jealous that were supposed to be like your friends and people that were supposed to be able to support you. And they were kind of haters, but I never saw you give it back. You guys have always still, no matter who it is, whether it's one of our friends starting a business or me with my podcast or real estate stuff, or just other musicians that we went to high school with or whatever, you guys have always supported people and wanted everybody to win. Like I've never seen you guys have the, the attitude of if somebody else is doing good with something, it's taking away from us. Like I've never yeah. seen you discouraging or be a hater. Like you guys have always been. I've on never under, success. No, that, that's, that's one thing. Like I, I don't, I, I'm really happy. I don't have that personality flaw. That's, you know, like I never, never thought like, Oh fuck, fuck that guy. Why can't I have that? I just thought, this dude's doing some cool shit and that would be nice. Maybe if I try this and I'll try a little hard, like look up to the person instead of just immediately go oh, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like that's the, uh, so, but I think that's just ingrained in some people. They can't help it. I'm really happy that I, 
I don't, I don't have that, you know? If you guys are getting anything from the podcast and some of the great knowledge and tips that the guests are sharing, please take a minute and leave a review on iTunes or any of your platforms with some stars and some comments, helping spread the promotion and spread some visibility for the podcast, for the guests, and for the knowledge so we can continue to do this. It'd only take a minute. I appreciate it if you guys could take the time. It would go a very, very long way. Again, leave a review on iTunes, start to share, start to spread the word. I really would appreciate it if you're getting anything out of this. Thank you. I think that that makes people want to be around you guys more. Like you have that good energy that it's not like zapping it. It's more, you know, like, uh, you know, every time people meet you guys, they're, they're always like, Oh, those guys are really cool. I was like, yeah, it's just, it's a good vibe because there's none of that like tension or energy trying to like drain it from somebody else. It's, um, it's a good thing. And I think that that's probably why you attract more successful people around you and more people with the same attitude of, you know, wanting to help and contribute and things like that. And people that are happy for you. Like I don't, I don't hear people in our circle, like trash taking back Sunday anymore. They don't trash Matt Sever. They don't trash Chris Weidman. Now they want passes. Now they want autographs. Now they want tickets to the fight. Now they want that. You know what I mean? So it's like those same people that were shitting on you years ago are now the same people that are trying to get into your after fight party or your backstage party afterwards. And it's like, I always remember those things are like, you know, just support it. Like be, be supportive because that's, I don't know, there's, there's just enough for everybody. So just be cool. Be yeah. Cool yeah, be cool. Yeah. Be, you know, Chuck Zito put up a picture of Mayweather and Chris White, like them three. It was Chris Weidman, Chuck Zito, and Mayweather. And it was cool. It was a cool picture. Uh, you know, what a thing. Yeah. And that, that's another guy like that. Um, It's like a total badass. And uh, I posted a picture. I met him a few times now, but I met him once years ago i went into the city by myself for like an affliction card and he was there and it was i mean this was before you know we've i've been training and going to fights forever now and it was before it was really big there was like maybe a hundred people there like it was not wow. a big at all and like me and chuck zito were just like upstairs and i i like went to Dwayne reed to get his science and i came over and i was like hey man like i just started training jiu-jitsu with matt sarah and he just stopped and talked to me and was like oh you know i live in new rochelle I train at Henzo's. I'm going to take my bike into Long Island over the summer. I'd love to come down and train with you guys. And it was just like a really cool conversation. And then I posted the picture like a week ago and he wrote, he was like, Oh, that's cool. Thanks for posting that. And I feel like, no it's way. Cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. So he like posted on my Instagram about it. And I was like, that's a cool guy. Like it's just a different time. Like people who are cool are just cool. Like, and that guy is who he is. And like guys like Matt Sarah, like, they don't change for who's around them or what they've done. They've just always been good people. And that's the same guy who's just going to be a normal dude. And, you know, that makes you like him so much more when you have a good experience for it. Like that whole, like, never meet your heroes. I haven't really had that experience. Like most of the people that I've looked up to that I've met in like the fighter circuit and like the, you know, the Matt Sarahs and stuff like that, they've all been really cool. And um, it's weird because I think people think, when you're not used to it, like celebrities and successful people are, are like assholes. But I remember there was a, I was listening to a podcast and this guy was talking about how the gym that he works out in in California, he's like all these famous celebrities train at my gym. Like they box there, they do like all these different workouts. They got all these trainers. It's like, and he was like, oh man, they're probably just like paying all this money. And like, how do they work out? And he goes, Every single trainer that I ask that trains like an A-list celebrity tells me that they are the hardest working client that they have. They're in there early, they're disciplined, and they work their ass off. And I was like, of course, 
that doesn't surprise me because anybody who is that successful in something didn't get there by not putting the work in. They didn't get there by yeah. taking shortcuts. They didn't get there by not working their ass off, taking beatings, dealing with rejections, and still coming up and making that stuff happen. So, you know, that's just what it takes, that mark work ethic. They, they marked themselves into being a movie star. Or they marked themselves into being a professional fighter. And I feel like that comes with humility, and it causes you to get humble along the way. So when you get there, most of the people that I met are cool because they work their ass off and they earn that. Like, I'm sure, yeah, there's the exceptions. But overall, I really haven't found it. I mean, and I, I, I assume a lot of the guys in your realm too, like you talk to some guys that are rock stars and they probably have had albums that didn't do good or shows that people didn't show up or people that shit on their music. So they're just probably appreciative and they, they got there by sacrificing and leaving their family and going on tour and putting the hours in and playing the shows and playing for nobody before they were playing for everybody. Yeah, make you gotta make it happen. You gotta make it happen. I you know, know, we we played to a bartender in 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 St. Louis once. Just one bartender. There we, you know, we had a show, and we pull up, and there was no people there, and but the bartender was there, and he was like, "You guys could, I don't, you, you don't have to play, you could play," and uh, we played for the bartender. Yeah. In St. Louis. I love that. That's what it takes. Yeah. <laughs> I will, I will let you go in a minute, Mark O'Connell, but one of the things I'd like to end with now is if I was going to write a book of everybody I interviewed and do a clip at the end for whether it's a mindset or a business or just some type of tip that you would want to pass on, like what would be your one piece of advice for somebody listening for them if they wanted to hear like what, what's Mark O'Connell's best advice to be successful? Just do what you want to do and be cool while you're doing it. I like that. That's it. I think that that sums it up. Yeah, right? I mean, you don't have to... You don't have to go into a long thing for that, right? Just go for it, you know? <laughs> you put it, give it your all. Like, not to sound corny, but like, give it your all and be cool while you're doing it. Don't be a little baby bitch, you know what I mean? Yeah. No one like little baby, no one likes baby bitches. You know? uh, sometimes the simple route's the best route. And I think that that uh again, that's what you've done. As long as I've known you, you've just been really cool and you've just gone. You too. You too. I appreciate it, Mark O'Connell. Any final thoughts you want to leave people with? Uh any future stuff going on? What, what's what's in the in the near future after COVID for Mark O'Connell for taking back Sunday and for your record label? Give them the name of the record label again. Red Right Recordings. Red Right. And um, the future, man, I, I'd like to see my friend Nick hang out with him soon, huh? You definitely will. I will be in New York as soon as this travel ban is lifted. Hang out with Mark Shaw, my brother, and Ralph. Get some jujitsu. Eat some sushi. Yeah. All right, good. That's it, man. That was fun. And you should get Chuck Zito on. Get Chuck Zito on. You know what? I am going to ask him to be on my show. It's going to be weird, and I'm going to feel like a dick when I do it, but I'm going to do it. Just like I made Camarino call me. <laughs> yeah, do that. All right. Well, thank you very much. Mark O'Connell from Taking Back Sunday from Red Right Recordings. And all around great guy. Tell Frank and Roberta O'Connell, who are two outstanding people, I said, hi, give your kids a hug. Give your wife a hug. Go take a walk on the beach for me. You have a fantastic day, Mark O'Connell. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
I get a lot of questions from people on uh, wanting to pick my brain, wanting to ask me about what I do, how do I do it, all kinds of things across the spectrum. One of the things I try and answer back with is there's a few different ways that we can work together. People can either um, participate by being a buyer, being a seller, or being a partner, and that's really the best way to learn. So if people have questions that have reached out to me, the best thing to do is jump on www.nicknicknick.com. And you can schedule a consultation if you're looking to sell properties, buy part properties, partner on some deals, or just get a general consultation to see where we can even fit in and where we can do business together on any level. There's options for that to set some stuff up. So please visit www.nicknicknick.com to buy, to sell, or to partner on real estate deals or opportunities. That is the place to go. That is the best way to start making money and learning the process.